You're listening to the According to Me podcast with Veronique Medrano. Hi, I'm Veronique, and on this week's podcast, we get to chat with Norteño Tejano solo artist Michael Salgado. We talk about the song that broke him into the Tejano market, his opinion on comments on whether he is a Tejano or a Norteño artist, and how his humble beginning on his family's farm in Texas led him to take the leap into country music. But first, a word from our sponsors. Many of you may not know, but in 2020, I got into a five-car pileup that left my back absolutely wrecked. No pun intended. I tried to talk to the insurance, but unfortunately, they were no help, and so I was left in pain and out of work for weeks. So I called the law offices of Mario Davila. If you've been in an accident, especialmente si usted solo habla español y necesita un abogado, el abogado Mario Davila es su mejor opción. There's offices in Dallas, Houston, Austin, and the Rio Grande Valley, so you can get assistance anywhere in Texas. For more information, go to incaseofanaccident.com or incasodeaccidente.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Veronique Medrano, and you are on the Accordion to Me podcast, where we talk to our different special guests about life according to them. Today's guest is two-time Latin Grammy Award winner, Norteño Tejano artist, Michael Salgado, currently embarking on a crossover country album, Blame It on the Beer, and running his own indie label, Zurdo Records. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us on Accordion to Me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's been a while. Good to talk to you and uh, saying hello to everybody out there who's listening. Of course, a few projects going on right now. Recently released my Ico de Rancho CD that came out only on the platforms, of course, uh, that new that new album, 17 songs on that CD. Of course, we did some of those songs, released some of those songs during the pandemic 2020, you know, was kind of a, a shutdown time and, and no performing or none of that. So, you know, we we had already had some stuff in the can that was ready. And so we just started, you know, to release some some singles on all the digital platforms. And, and we would go to the studio kind of carefully and, and, and recorded some more material. And so, you know, we've got about 17 songs on this Ico de Rancho CD that came out uh, not too long ago. The recent single is Con Este Ritmo, you know, something a little different, Movido, and something a little outside of what we've normally done, you know. And uh, I think the last time we did something like that was when I recorded Amor El Bote, you know, so... Now we do go to Cerrimo, something así, igual de movido, ¿no? And so, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of original music in, in that CD. Of course, I think there's a couple of covers in there as well. Uh, great songs. And, but, you know, we've got the typical rancheras and corridos and cumbias and boleros. And Hijo de Rancho is, is entitled the new CD. And recently have released, of course, a crossover, the, the EP country. First, my first country album. Title Blame It on the Beer. I know that a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that, when, that alone, people can relate. <laughs> when I heard that title, it was like, yeah, I've got to listen to this song because, you know, people blame the beer on different things. And of course, that's what the song talks about. So I think that people are really going to be able to identify. So it's kind of a fun song, you know, and so. And it's very relatable. It's very relatable for the market. I mean, they're yeah. either talking about how beer does something, tequila does something, right. beach does something. Like, like there's always that theme. And so right. I feel like it's such a great addition 
to the market, to the country market. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, it, it does well. And, and, you know, I mean, the other day I, uh, uh for the Nation, I think it was, I happened to go into a comment or, or looked in and there was somebody that was going to make a comment. So I looked, went in, you know, and so I just kind of, my, my, my jaw dropped when I saw all of the negative comments on there about the country and he doesn't sound country and, and this and that. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, I've learned in this business and in life that you can't please them all and mm-hmm. not everybody's going to like what you do. And so, you know, you just, the way I see it is, you know, the way the saying goes, you know, you can't stop at every dog that barks and never get where you're going. You know, <laughs> so you just, you just got to keep going and, you know, people have their opinion and they're entitled to it. And so, but, you know, my background is is from the farm days. You know, I grew up on the farm and I listened to country music and I drove John Deere tractors. And so I have that background, you know. And so country was always something I did even when I was young with my dad. Because when I started with my dad, we, we started playing musica. I used to listen to Ramona Ella, you know, Lorelampagos. And that was what I grew up with because that's what my dad listened to on, on the car and at home. So when we sang... You know, at home, I was always doing things with him there. Back in the day, they used to have those TV consoles where you, you could record with the microphones. And so my dad would always pull that out on the weekend. And, and and I was always there, always attached to him, you know, como chicle, always wanted to sing with him. And so I would sing Spanish songs. But then as I went and I was, you know, started to learn drive tr- to drive tractors. I mean, we learned really young when I was 10, 11 years old. You know, we were already driving 4440s, you know, John Deere tractors and work in the fields and because that's what my dad did. So that's how I grew up. And, you know, that's actually my happy place. You know, I remember this, there's a, a farm out there in Hermley, Texas by Snyder Sweetwater where I grew up. If I remember going back in time, I remember that farm road and my, you know, our little house was over here on the right. And that's where I remember my life beginning, you know, so I've even told my kids when I pass away, you know, take my ashes over there and, and leave me in my happy place. So I grew up, you know, with that environment. And, and So how different is it, you know, being going from an environment where, you know, you're kind of isolated in a sense, right. you and nature. It's you. It's you and nature, you and the plants, you and <laughs> and, your, and the work of your Animals hands. And, yeah. So yeah. yeah. To this. Cause this is very different, right? This is a very. I've seen you. I've seen you on your Instagram. Aitas con tus jeans, and you know, out there on the on the ranch. And then, uh, then there's this other persona, right. the the shiny suits, <laughs> the nice hats. Right. I mean, there's two different people. I mean, how does that how does that kind of commingle for you? How do you feel about that? I think it it balances me. You know, it's like me. You know, I I cut my own yard, not because you know. I can't hire someone. It's just because <laughs> it keeps me humble, you know, and it keeps me because we used to do that as well. I mean, we used to do that all day long with my dad. We used to cut yards. We used to sell fruit. We used to rake leaves for a living. Right. So. So, yeah, it is different, you know, because I grew up, you know, saying howdy and things like that, you know, and the one horse town and that type of environment. So then when we moved even to a, not talking San Antonio, but, you know, to a city, because we lived on a farm. We went from farm to farm. We never lived in, in little. When we moved to, we moved to Stanton, Texas, where my dad, a lot of his family is in West Texas. And you're talking 3,000 people there. It's not a lot of people. Yeah. But to me, that was a bigger town, right? And, and for me, it took a while. When I moved, 
I moved to San Antonio in late 94, early 95 when Cruz de Madera hit, right? And the record label okay. said, you need to come because we need you here more. We need to do things with you. And this song's taken off. So when I moved to San Antonio, it took me a year to get used to being in, in a city this big. You know, it just was not. Yeah. I, did, I didn't like it. I was like, you know. And even 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 now, I mean, I live in San Antonio, but I live about seven miles out, you know, and and so there's nothing out here. And so it just was always something, a part of me that, that I grew up with. And so, you know, it, it, so, but it kind of kind of balances me out, you know, where I, where I do things here and then I go gig so I can kind of do both, you know, but, but there's a balance for me, I guess. You don't get caught in all the bochinche because right. I think that's how I feel. I, I'm super happy to be in the Rio Grande Valley because it's just so separate. Right. from San Antonio because right. I was living in San Antonio and I can completely understand. You stay out of the you stay out of the bochinche as right. much as you can. We've normally met some people in, in downtown, but well, we almost never go downtown, right? And and there's people that always go the tourists come and they go downtown, right? To the river walk. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where to go. So now I know how it feels when you go to Vegas and you go to the strip, but people that live off the strip they're never in the strip. They're doing normal life things. And but when you go to Vegas, it's just like, well, I'm gonna go to the strip and hang out there and party or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what it is with for people in San in San Antonio. They come, they go to the Riverwalk, they stay in the Riverwalk area. It's a tourist town. And so so for us, it's just, you know, for me and my family, we just kind of we live outside of town, you know, so we're like I have enough space where I have my boss here and everything. And so that's what I looked for somewhere that, you know, and, you know, my wife wants to move into town closer. And I'm just like trying to avoid that conversation. Right. And so, <laughs> You're like, no, I go. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, go the outside or something, you know, so, <laughs> But, you know, she lived more in town, so it's a little different for her. And so but, yeah, I mean, I think that all those things me doing certain things that I do here. You know, there's times I wash my bus, you know, and it's like, I'm like, God, this is a big bus. I didn't know what did I get into here. But <laughs> but I think it just helps me stay grounded, you know, things that I used to do. But we just grew up like that. You know, we grew up when music came along. I was like, man, we don't have to do that other stuff anymore because we were always my dad always had us doing something. He was like, you know, worst case, you learn how to survive in life, you know. So, you know, we were out there work in the fields and we would chop cotton and we we picked uh, vegetables and cantaloupes and watermelons and we sold them street to street and we you know we rake leaves and we cut yards we would go from house to house knocking you know you want your yard cut and you know things that so I see people that do that now you know and I and I can relate because I we used to do it you know and so I remember we lived on the farm my dad didn't want to go on Saturdays to, to work the field. And he would say, okay, you know, you or Ernie, who wants to go? And I was like, I'll go, I'll go, you know. And I used to get up in the morning and go drive tractor. I remember I was driving tractor. My uncle came into town and he he said, I want to ride, you know, I want to go ride with Mijo on the, on the, I was, you're talking 12 years old and he was sitting here beside me. He was just freaking out. Then I was driving a 12-year-old planner on a John Deere, you know, the whole equipment. And so it's just great memories that I've always had. And so I think and it's that, a lot of responsibility too, like yeah. being able to do that and, and having that skill so young. Yeah. And it was just crazy. We didn't, I mean, I used to drive an S10 standard at 12 years old in the field. We go, my dad, I remember my parents, I mean, they used to let you do things. I don't think I'd let my kids do that now, but, 
They would go out. I of was town. just about to ask, do you kids know how to drive a tractor? No. Do you all, do you? <laughs> well, Andy might know how to drive his riding tractor, but not a real tractor. And so, but I remember my parents went out of town. We lived in Rankin, Texas, and they went to Stanton. You're talking, that's probably 50 miles away or something like that. So my dad said, when you get out of school, take that truck and go over there at field and work that field with that tractor. And I remember I did, but the hydraulics hose busted. So I was done, right? So I just got on the truck, went home. But you're talking a 12-year-old kid, you know, 10, 12-year-old kid doing that nowadays. You're like, I don't I don't think I would be able to let my kids just say, hey, go ahead and do that I'll get, when I get back. And, and they got home, I think, back at 10 o'clock. I was all scared at home. But, you know, that was just a farm life for us. And so getting to the country, right? When I was on the John Deere tractors, I used to listen to country like Spanish, and I used to listen to country. So, you know, I listened to George Strait and Merle Haggard, George Jones, Ronnie Millsap, all the traditional country, right? I know there's a yeah. new, new country now, and it's a whole different sound nowadays. And so I'm more of a traditional guy, but, you know, I, I mean, I also see things as, you know, un buen gallo en cualquier gallinero canta, ¿no? Entonces, I try the new stuff too, and, you know, like, don't depend on me. One of my latest is kind of, you know, more of a new new feel type of song. More modern. Right, more modern. Because I had asked the writers, because I'm working, starting to work with some writers from Nashville, and I, I tell them, you know, send me some of this new country that they call it, right? And Because I want to try some of that and see, because, you know, when I first did country, I was, you know, nervous when, when, when my friend Rick Orozco, good buddy of mine, who helped me kind of, I said, man, I want to do country. I'm under my own label now, sort of the records. And I've always wanted to do country, but I've never, the labels I've been with are not interested in doing that. So I'm on my own. I want to do it, right? So he brought Honky Tonk Cantinas. He said, well, check this out, man. I remember that. That was the song for me that I knew, at least for me, um, I knew that that was just such a great decision, <laughs> personally. That, right. That's just me. And, and it was just like, I, I was just so happy to hear it. It, it was just Thanks. so nice to hear that expansion. And it's interesting because according to the comments <laughs> or right. accordion, as the pun goes, right, right. <laughs> according to the comments out there, Mexicans don't listen to country. What are your thoughts on that <laughs> statement? Because it, well, it comes out a lot and a lot of people say it, including the comments on your Tejano Nation right, um, right. You know, article, but then there was an article by the LA Times saying that there's not enough representation, and that comment comes up again, and it's always the same. Mexicans and Latinos do not listen to country. So, what are your thoughts on that? Not true, not true, right? Because I've seen videos out here where country acts like Randy Rogers, Kevin Fowler, all these guys, all you see in the audience, a majority are Hispanic people, right? We're talking bilingual, of course, Mexicanos, Mexicanos, we're not gonna listen to country, right? La raza va a escuchar pues acordeón y whatever, right? Lo que escucha la quieren raza, escuchar ¿no? la norteño, right, la banda, right. la, la, right. lo que quieren. Pero the bilingual Hispanic, Hispanics, right? They listen to country. I mean, because I've, I've even seen the audience, right? You see, you see a video of George Strait, and there's a lot of Hispanics. You see a video of Randy Rogers, ton of Hispanics in the audience. All these Texas country bands, Hispanics in the audience, right? So I don't agree with that, you know, and and so. You're going to have those people that, you know, you might have 50 people out of 20,000 that, 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 that like you and 50 that are just got, got nothing good to say. And they're just going to say that, you know, but, but no, I don't agree with that. And, 
And like I said, you know, I mean, I, I'm the type of person, because I'm in no way the type of person that, that I toot my own horn. I try to do what I do the best of my ability. And if I felt I couldn't do country, I just wouldn't do it, you know. So country was something that I grew up with be, before this. It's not just like, oh, he just wants to try something new. No, I mean, I grew up listening to country in a John Deere tractor. I would sing. <laughs> when we were starting out back in the day in Rankin, Texas, in a, it was like a train depot cafe. And the guys would come in there, you know, white guys. And, hey, you doing any country? Yeah, you know, and I'd start with... You know, Ricky's Skaggs, you know, I wouldn't change a single thing. You know, and I'm 12 years old or whatever, so I was singing Ricky's Skaggs. I was singing John Anderson, you know, all these songs, you know, Black Sheep of the Family. And this was something I was doing way before I got famous, you know. We would play Spanish, and then I would do a few songs country, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, and, and these white guys would come in, and they, they wanted to hear country, and I would do it, and, you know, and great. So it was something I was already doing. I just put it on the back burner. When Cusimayera came out, then I, you know, I went that away and did that for a lot of years. But once I went on my own, I did Honky Tones. And still, that song, I can go not just Texas, but anywhere in the United States to play and somebody will ask for Honky Tonk Cantinas, you know? So, yep. so you know that it's like, you know, I, I've got it on my digital platform with Orchard, and that song is still the top stream song above my Spanish songs, Honky Tonks is a top stream song for me, right? And that says a lot. <laughs> that says a lot that, you know, somebody who is known literally has won awards in a, in a national and, as, I mean, I would say the Latin Grammys are an international level. Right, right. You know, a national and international level can, you know, have a song that is English and country that is still part of the top of their catalog on top of all the Spanish stuff that yeah. you've done. And um, obviously whoever, whoever says that Mexicans don't listen or Mexicans or Latinos or Hispanics do not listen to country have obviously never been to Sombrero Fest, Sombrero yeah. Festival down in, in Brownsville. So that's all I have to say. And, I, and I'm sure that there's, I Mexicanos, some Mexicanos, but no te van a escuchar música country, no? And I understand that. But I'm not going after that market. I'm going in. I want to see because my goal is to get in the country market too, you know. Because mm -hmm. I'm going. Well, why couldn't I do six months doing what I do in six months in the country market, you know, and touring all exactly. year, you know? Or if things go really well for me in the country, then I might do country, you know. I mean, si se puede, por qué no? You know what I don't understand about our race, Hispanics, we are the first to push the other guy down, right? And say, nah, he can't do it, or he can't do it good, or he can't this. And I don't get that, you know, but I know it happens, but I'm I'm one that doesn't really, if I'm, I'm just going to keep doing it, you go ahead and keep talking, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And a lot of the times it's that crab in the bucket mentality. And, and people think that, I mean, this is artist to artist. You know, yeah. I've performed with you. I've watched you play. For those who don't know the history between me and Michael, and you're listening to this podcast now, uh, Michael, uh, when I was first starting out, it was the first six months of me being out in the in the Tejano market, he took the shot and had me sing a song with him. And while a lot of people don't think that that's a big deal, it is because the Tejano market and the Norteño market is not an easy market to get into. As much as it seems or right. it looks like it's easy, it's not. And so, um, you know, that alone 
um, right at the, right at the beginning of my career, really, I always thank Michael. And I know a lot of people have seen that since the beginning of my career have always wondered why. And it's because, you know, it was this little bar out in Elsa, Texas (laughs) (laughs) and we were out there and, and he, he asked me to get my little butt ready to sing a song. And sure enough, um, if you guys look it up, it is still on YouTube. But it's that mentality. It's always that crabs in a bucket. And you just kind of have to find your tribe in a sense, like places where you fit in. And so I always see this with you. I always see this constant criticism. Oh, you're not Tejano. You're not Tejano. You're not Norteño. You're not country. Stick to what you know. I don't fit anywhere, right? I mean, it's like the thing is what happened with me is. But yet every Tejano artist or every Tejano person is singing Cruz de Madera. So that seems a little hypocritical. Right. I was watching, I don't know if you've heard of Lila Downs, right? She's, yes, Lila Downs, yes. Amazing. Yes, I'm sorry, Lila Downs. So, so she's done, She. I saw the other day, somebody sent me a link where she did Cruz de Madera. She was doing, oh Erone, my God, his name is gorgeous. Ernesto, out of, gorgeous rendition out of uh, the Wisconsin or Toledo area. He sent that to me and he was telling me about that. But yeah, we... We're never like, well, you're not Tejano and you're not Norteño and what are you doing doing country? I mean, you know, like I said, if you stop to every dog that barks, you never get where you're going. So you just got to keep going. You know, people used to tell me when I was young, get a real job. That music business ain't going to get you anywhere, son. Well, here and I am. And then Cruz de Madera happened. And then, <laughs> and then everything else happened. You keep working and you keep working and it can happen. And my thing is just, you know, you know, there's some people that were like, you know, well, he doesn't sound country. And he said, I mean, I mean, I don't know what country sounds like. I mean, you know, to you. Right. But, you know, because exactly. I come from the country. Right. I come from the farm and, I, you know, that's what I grew up doing. I mean, it's not like, well, you know, he's doing Norteño now. He just wants to country, but he's got no background. Well, I do have background, plenty of background. From the country days. Yeah, and, and people don't know that because you weren't big at the time. You weren't right. you weren't like Emilio Navaira big at the time that you were singing country in these little bars. Yeah, yeah. So th- then they were strong, right? There's one guy that said, well, you know, he's trying to be like Emilio, and Emilio can do Tejano, and he can do country. And, and I love my brother Emilio, rest in peace, my goodness. But I think he'd have a different opinion today. From that, oh, of course, from what the, that guy, guy said, but como digo, it was interesting too to see how many, including myself, how many of us artists had your back in this. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, we had DJ Kane going in there and saying, you know, puro, puro envidia, puro negative. Like, can't even you can't even let a man like do something. Yeah. Uh, myself, <laughs> where where my opinion of it is, I mean, I don't. I completely understand where you're coming from. I don't fit in anywhere. Right. They say I'm not conjunto. They say I'm not Tejano. They say I'm not this. They say yeah, I'm not yeah. that. And it's it's this very weird thing where you're just like, pues aquí estoy yo en mi barco sola. Right. <laughs> well, it, it, and, and it was good. It was good to see so much positive support right. from the industry. From the industry. Not so much like, yeah, there's people commenting and they're right. and I feel like they if they knew you. If they understood and they were true fans, they were fans of your music. They were fans of Honky Tonks and Cantinas. Right, right. And, you know, they understood your trajectory like many of many of the industry does right. because they've seen you perform. Then this wouldn't be a surprise to anyone that you've gone to this place right. and, and you're doing this. Yeah, I mean, it was just something that I've always had wanted to do. And so and I want to thank everybody in the industry that did have my back. I appreciate you guys. 
for me, it's just something I've always wanted to do. Even so, when I went on my own with Sulu Records back in the day, I think it was, I'm trying to think, it was 2010, 11. That's when I cut Honky Town Cantinas on the album No Vengo a ver si puedo, si porque puedo vengo. It's on that CD, right? We had never done a video on it. And, and, and if you go to YouTube now, the video from Honky Town Cantinas, it's got, it surpassed some of the Spanish stuff that I've done. And we just did that video, like, I don't know, a year ago or something. And it's already surpassed all my Spanish stuff. So it's got to be something there, you know, but... There's people that love it. Yeah. There's, there's people that love it. The negative stuff, I'm just like, whatever, you know, it's just, I'm going to keep doing me and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I just had another guy that he reach out to me and, hey, man, we got some country stuff. And, and I saw you put out a country AP and I'd like to send you some. I'm even talking to O'Rourke. Uh, William O'Rourke? No, no. I'm correct. Billy, 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 yeah, Billy, 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 Billy. Sorry, sorry so William's Billy. the son. I, 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 <laughs> I wanted to blank there, but yeah, me and Billy were just talking a day or two ago, and he sent me a couple of great songs, so I'm considering doing a couple of his songs, because yeah, there's going to be more more country to come, because my goal, like my goal was, is, is to get into the, you know, whatever you want to call it, because when I started, it was because I made a... The record label said, we're going to break you in at the Hano Market, right? And I said, well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to work because, you know, I do accordion and, you know, masaca el estilo Ramon Ayala, no? So I don't know if it's going to work. That's what I thought, right? So then we went and, and you know, put in the work and, you know, cruise my dad work and it broke into the Tejano Market. I consider myself that I work in both markets, you know, Tejano and Norteño, you know, because I'll do a gig where hay raza del Valle y de... de de San Antonio y de Zacatecas y de Michoacán y de all in the same place, right? So we cater to both, you know. And there's a few people that do that, Ramon Ayala, you know, Intocable, you know, Duelo, and there's certain bands that, that can do that, you know. So they, they say, well, you're not this, you're not that. Well, you know, I may not be either or, but I, I cater to both, you know. I mean, I'll cater to los Tejano like I cater to los Mexicano. I don't exclude. And now you're going to cater to country. So that's another, that's another feather. To the country, you know, my thing was like, you know, it's like, if you can, why not? It's like, you know, God rest her soul, like Selena, you know, she wanted to go off into the, into the pop world and people accepted that with open arms and, you know, and, and she would have been even phenomenal, phenomenal more by now, probably, you know, based on what she did and that with that English stuff that she did, right? And so it's good. What's wrong with that? If you can grow, then why not grow, you know? If you guys listening out there can grow, then yeah. grow, you know? It's like, hey, you can't limit yourself out because, you know, you just play Spanish, I could stick to the accordion. He was, no, you know, it's like, I don't live in a box, you know, if I, and I'm just that way. If I can try to do it, I'll, I'll do it. It's like the mariachi, you know, I did mariachi and, and so people like that, you know, but it's not, I'm not, you know, getting away from my, from my Hispanic gente and only nothing like that. I'm just trying another market, you know, it's just, si se puede, por qué no hacerlo, no? Y por qué no apoyar a tu misma gente que está tratando de mejorarse, no? En su carrera. It's, why not support the person that's, that's trying to get better in his career, you know, in the market, and why not just back them up instead of talk about the person, you know? And I always wonder, it was so interesting because not you're doing things on your own terms. And, and I want to go to the, the comment you made about the label not wanting to do stuff. So had you wanted to do Honky Tonks and Cantinas prior to becoming independent and going on your own? 
I don't know about honky tones, but I wanted to do country, right? Like a country song. Did you want to do a country song prior to you leaving Freddie Records? Yes, you know that that was something I did, and I kicked it around, but but at the time, you know, it just wasn't what they wanted, and so you respect that, you know. It's like you, they want to keep doing what works, and this is what works, and and it's like me, I, I, I I'm still doing what works, you know, but I'm also okay. I'm working on this project, and hopefully. A song will catch in the country market, you know, I'm able to work that market, you know, I'm not just leaving my market and going somewhere else. No, I'm still doing what I'm doing, you know, and we just cut this 17 song uh, album that came out on all digital sites, Hijo de Rancho, you know, and then I cut this EP, has nine country songs. There's a couple of new ones on there, so why not do it if you're able to do it, you know, and so I just think that that's just my mentality. If you can do it, then do it. I'm just that way. If, if I feel that I can't do it, I'll go, nah, I'm not going to touch that. I'm really curious about this because for Tejano and Norteño, right. um, Freddie would be considered one of the major players. Right. Um, I think Tejas was another one. They used. Uh, they don't exist now, if I'm correct. Right. They're, but it was Tejas. It was Freddie Records, Joey Records. I mean, there was a few different ones. But it's always interesting because they have a certain idea of what the industry is. And the artists have a different one. Where the market is now, what are your thoughts on that? About where the, the labels feel it is and where you now see it is. Is there a difference? And, and what would that be? Well... I think there's always special interest sometimes with the labels, you know, and they want certain songs done and or their songs done and things like that. And, and my thing was always, and, and, and I have to give props to Freddie on that. They always let me pick what songs I, you know, I was comfortable with because at the end, you know, we want to put out a good album, you know, so they always kind of, I worked with John there. And so John would always kind of like, well, whatever you feel comfortable with, you know, if you don't like that one, then let's trash it. And so I think that's kind of important. And the thing with, with Freddie, when I left there, you know, the, the deal was done pretty much, you know, and and we went back to negotiate. We we didn't come to an agreement, but we didn't leave this, these gustados ni nada, right? Mm-hmm. I've always, they always treated me great. And, and, but, you know, that the thing now for me, like I'm on my own, I'm able to pick the songs that I, you know, that I like. And, you know, even if they're not songs that we have under my, because I have, you know, sort of music also publishing. So it doesn't mean necessarily, but I get a lot of my, people that say, hey, I've got songs and, you know, if you do them, we'll put them on your publishing. So it works in our favor as well. But, but you know, I also consider other songs. And why is that? And, and why is that? I, I don't think a lot of people understand the, the power in publishing. So there's one thing in you singing the song. Right. And then there's another thing in you putting it in the publishing as well as you singing the song. And why is that important? Once you learn the business a little more, what, you know, it, it just it's just more income come for the company, you know, because in the song when it plays or when, you know, it, it's just making money. So it's, you know, so it, it for me, it, it's a right business decision, you know, but I don't like to commit anybody to hey well if I do the song you know you have to do it here and because a lot of my country is licensed out you know we just send them a license and they collect on their end and, and but nowadays with all the platforms and you make money on that like I'm a label now so I make money with the platforms now so it's so different than being with a label you know because then you're with a label you're signed to a label and you agree to so much and that's all you get and you know so you know, back in the days when I was with, with Joey, people don't know, you know, I, I I had six records with Joey, right? And each record 
was sold to them for $1,000, right? $1,000. $1,000, Michael? Right. You have to be kidding me. Those are like some of your biggest records. Right. right. So you can imagine, right? But you're talking about a guy who my dad either, he didn't know the business. I didn't know the business. I just wanted to get out there, right? So nowadays, you know, I've had where some people will come and want to sign. You know, we try to offer a certain deal and then it doesn't work for them. So it surprises me because it isn't that deal, right? It's a better deal than what I got. And it still isn't mm -hmm. good enough for some people, you know. So, so you know, I try not to. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. You know, the chemistry's got to work. But that was the deal I signed. So that was the deal I honored, right? The, I mm -hmm. made my money in the shows and... You know, that's what the merch, I, that's what, yeah, that's <laughs> all that other my, stuff. So I made my money the first six records. Right. But there's still a dispute over Kuzamaira because Kuzamaira, I paid for that recording. Right. Really? But they say that the record is theirs. So they're still. Well, actually, not anymore because it was a lawsuit. And, and when did that happen? That happened like in 99 and 2000. Right. They wanted to keep mm -hmm. the record. And I said, well, the record's mine. So at the end of the day, we went to mediation and I own half of Cruz de Maeda and they own half of Cruz de Maeda, right? And so mm -hmm. still waiting to seize that money, but I mean, you know, I haven't seen it yet in 10 years. You're like, I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm yeah. waiting for the money to come. <laughs> it's 50% mine. And I, I know, deal. right? I signed the deal in 2001. So it's been how long, you know? What has it been now? 2001, it's been what, 19 years? Yeah. And, and I'm curious, have you ever thought of kind of pulling like a Taylor Swift and re-recording Cruz de Madera so that it's 100% yours? Well, I've done that already, but like I've got a 20th anniversary CD, right? Yes. And all my hits are on that, right? But, you know, it's just never the same as when you, you first did it, right? You know, because when Cruz mm. de Madera was, it was, you know, it was a monstrous song. So it did what it was going to do and, and it still generates today. But it's funny that I was talking to my son yesterday and one of my strongest selling on digital right now is Homenaje a Mis Idolos, right? The CD mm -hmm. I did that has a lot of Ramon songs, a lot of Relampagos. I did a cover. It's called Homenaje a Mis Idolos and it's got Vestia Color de Rosa. It's got all the, a lot of oh Ramon my God, stuff, yeah. right? So that one is still high selling on digital platform, right? So it made me go like, ding, like, you know, I need to do more cover albums because people want to hear songs they're familiar with and then they hear it with their favorite artists. Well, you know, it's it's a win-win. And do you ever feel like there's a bit fans or the industry maybe, not the industry that you and I know, but the industry that assumes that they're the industry has a, they have a opinion about cover songs and they have an opinion about artists that do cover songs in the sense of that they're not artists but at this point, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is, does it make sense? I mean, I don't. Nowadays, I don't think it makes any sense. Nowadays, because of digital, of course, you always want to pick a good song. You're just not like, well, I'm just yeah. going to throw out covers to throw out covers. No, <laughs> for me, I would have to find the songs that fit, for me, good songs and that are going to fit, you know, the style I'm going to do them. But now that's kind of out the door, you know, as far as, well, don't do a cover because it is, you know, it doesn't matter because you just license a song and you're going to make off the stream, you know, digitally. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look, a perfect example, Michael Bublé. Oh, How yeah. many covers does he have? And he's... Most of his career. Most of his career is covers and like a few original right. albums. What makes it great vocalist, great charisma. I mean, I went to see him in Austin. Great show, right? 
And most songs are covers except for like Home and, you know, different songs that he did. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's people that do covers like that and they're just, you know, he's playing arenas, you know, everywhere with cover songs, right? But great vocalist, you know, great entertainer for sure. So that's definitely helps him. And of course, he's been doing that a long time. But nowadays, it's kind of like, it's not a big of a concern as well. You're using a cover and, you know, well, let's not do that. Because when I started back in the day, I did La Media Vuelta. You know, that's a cover. But I did it my style. What matters is you make it yours, right? You make it your style and that's what's going to make it different. So you always have to keep that in mind, you know, because there's people that do it, do different songs. You know, I mean, back in the day when I did Cus de Madera, you know, that the, the Joe Lopez and Maz, they did Cus de Madera. And before I did Cus de Madera, Ruben Ramos did Cus de Madera, right? He had cut it first and I cut it. And then for some reason it worked with the accordion, you know, and it blew up. Yeah. And then Joe Lopez did it after. There's been bands in the Mexican market that have done it. I mean, everybody's done the song, right? But I'm proud to say that it was a hit. I was big because of it. Yeah, yeah, it was a hit <laughs> with me, you know. And yeah. so I always kind of kind of proud about that. And, and But just to know, like, you know, like you said, that Aglila Downs, you know, I heard her do it the other day. And this guy said, man, check this out. She did your song. And, and it'd be cool if y'all did something together one day because she liked totally different style than me. Oh, but it'd yeah. Be, it'd be cool to do something, you know, like maybe we could do it as oh, a duet yeah. and, and cut it for digital, you know. And you're hitting. That would be honestly, that would be amazing. Because yeah. her, her, for people who don't know who who Lila Downs is, um, Lila Downs is a Mexicana, Mexicana, right. and she was big before. But the big break for her was in doing the uh, orchestration and the soundtrack for the Frida movie, so yeah. the the biopic with Selma Hayek. She's singing in the background on a few different scenes. Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, she also did most of the soundtrack. So if you guys have not nice. heard, and she's also a Latin Grammy winner and a Grammy winner. So I would love to see that. Yeah, that I'm going to have to reach little... out to her and see if, if she yeah. wants to do that. Because she did it at some concert she was doing. So I thought it was really cool. He sent me. And the... then she recorded it. And oh, she recorded she? it. And she, yes, she recorded oh, wow. it and put it on digital. Nice. And it's. It's just, it's so interesting, like these, these very good reinterpretations of your song right. that you did. Right, now, did. I'm curious, there's another song that I'm really curious about if you would ever re-record with another vocalist, which is one that you have um, a lot of female artists that you pick along with myself, you know, sing, which is uh, Quedemos Como Amigos. Right. And I'm curious if you're ever in the future thinking maybe you might re-record that one as well. Just, you know, updating the vocals, updating right. the vocalist to just kind of give it a different feel. Well, maybe that's something that me and Lila Downs could do. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, that would be nuts. It would be cool. Like, because, yeah, that song they still ask for it. And I'm like, well, Ellie does not hear, you know, so I can't do it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, definitely that was that was also a great song, you know that did really well. I didn't, you know, I was surprised how well it did. Another one that's done really well for me that I was surprised, and it's a cover, is Volver Volver. You know, I did I did it con acordeón, and it, everywhere I go, like you know, people like. But you know, I think aside from that, it's just a song that people know, so they can relate. But you know, I think that's what works nowadays too. Is you do. A, a well-known song people love and you do it to the fans that, that love you and I think it's it's kind of a win-win they, they'll enjoy it you know so 
Deal's not signed yet, but this, don't quote me on it. But <laughs> I'm going to put a disclaimer. I'm going to pause this part right, of the right. podcast and put a disclaimer <laughs> that he has not signed yet. But if all goes well, I'm supposed to do a deal with another company. That's a great thing about having your own record label, too. Like I'm doing a like a live performance video for another company who's basically buying me out for that performance, right? Because they're going to stream under their company, mm-hmm. right? It, it's to be confirmed, hopefully, by tomorrow. Who have been some artists that you've seen in the market that have been inspiring to you, um, especially right. because you've been doing this for 25 years? And I think us artists always try to find inspiration from different things that are currently out or things that are kind of like that we kind of hear in passing. Um, is there anything that you've heard recently that's kind of just sparked creative juices for you and create, whether it's English or Spanish, it doesn't matter which. Well, I think for me at the moment, it's probably on the countryside, right? Because I'm kind of really, I'm really trying to be careful, like what material I choose and to really lock in something that the audience is going to like. And so I think it's a country, you know, I try to listen to, to the Texas country and some of the, the guy that I really like that I heard not too long ago is Riley Green. That guy's great. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he sounds super country and just all the stuff he's been putting out. Actually, I heard it's called the, the, the song that caught my ear was I Wish Grandpa's Never Died. And I don't know if you ever heard that one, but that's the first song I heard from him. And then I started hearing his album on, you know, on a platform. And I downloaded the whole album of his because most every song was great, right? And so he was somebody that I heard on the countryside that that I really, I really do like, you know, his sound. And uh, on the Spanish side, well, I've just kind of been trying to focus on on getting great material. And right now, actually, my son-in-law he wrote like five songs on this record on uh, Hijo de Rancho. That's great. And so he actually wrote another country song that I might be doing too that's a little, it's kind of like, uh, his name is Travis Tritt. Oh, okay, It's okay, kind okay. of that kind of sound, you know, that he's got, you know, here's a quarter, mm-hmm. call someone, you know, but it's got that kind of a, you know, feel to it, but not, you know, not, not the same, nothing, right? But he's just got that Travis Tritt style to it. So I'm thinking of doing one of his songs as well. And a lot of the material that we had in, in this new album, you know, a lot of the, the original music that we had was just a lot of great stuff that's in there that, that, that was put together. I had another song written by a gentleman out of the, the valley or, or there por la frontera. He sent me a song too that's entitled uh, El Sabor de Mi Derrota that's on the album too. So there's a lot of beer drinking stuff in there and, Right now, there's, thank God, I was talking to, to Billy, right? And he was saying, man, we need to get together and co-write and do some country, man. And I said, man, be honest with you, you know, writing is just not my gift, but maybe if we get together, because I was starting to write a country song that about my beginnings, you know, like I can still hear the rain falling, you know, on the porch. And so I started writing a song, but just never have finished it, right? I've never been able to finish it. So he said, man, maybe we can finish it together. Because songwriting is just never, and what I was going to say is, you know, luckily I've, I've always had writers that send me material. And and so that's always been a great thing that nunca ha faltado, you know, material de los compositores and they send me from everywhere. And, you know, a lot of it comes now from social media. Like people will send me a message. Hey, you know, are you accepting? Yeah, send it. I mean, I don't, I don't deny anybody. I, I'm like, Send me what you got. I'll check it out. If it's if I can use it, great. If I can, I'll tell you thanks. I can't use it. 
Because you just never know when you're going to get that right, you know, that good song and that's going to work for you. That's how a gentleman sent me one on social media, La Vida en un Hilo, that song that I recorded, you know, that's got over a million views on YouTube. That's a heartfelt type of song. And it hit me at the right time because that's when I had gotten sick. I think it was 2017, around there, 16, when I had my strokes. So that was a song that was like, you know, that song entitled La Vida en un Hilo, you know, Life on a Thread, kind of fit me like a glove, you know, when I got that song. And, And I even got choked up when I was going to do it on in the studio, you know, because I could really feel the song, you know, based on my real life experience that I was going through at the time. So have you had that happen a lot where the health or, or the emotional things that are happening in your life bleed into the music that you that you perform? For sure. Uh, for me, the type of songs that I do, I mean, they always have to have the passion. Right. And I don't want to mention this, but. There was a, a guy who sent me another, I mean, the, the negative comments were on a row, right? <laughs> oh, my uh, God. So another yeah. guy sent me a comment saying, well, you know, uh, at first I thought it was him. And then it turned out that he wasn't even there. Somebody told him, right? He was saying, well, after not, not going to see us and being a fan for so long, I went to see what, what I thought was a careless effort, performance, right? So I said, well, thank you for your comments. And, and how was it a careless effort, as you put it, performance, right? So I said, well, you know, just... Sounded like they told me I wasn't there. So then I said, oh, they, you weren't there. Laugh out loud. No, okay. <laughs> so he said, you know, like, I'm like, you're getting this from somebody else. I thought you were there. Right. But he was like, so he was just like, well, you know, it just felt like you just weren't into it. And I said, well, let me tell you, everything I do on stage has passion. Right. I don't do anything that's half or I don't want to be here. But what people don't understand either sometimes is... You're human. Yeah, I mean, you may be sick, you may be hot, you may be having trouble with, you know, you're if you're in an outdoor, I've done outdoor events and I'm just like drained, right? Because of the heat, you know, and... The heat, the lights, the costume, like everything just can come together. I almost passed out during a, during fanfare one time because just the sun was just beating down on me. And I, it's just everything like you're, you're going out and you present yourself a certain way. And you know what? I was in cuando I can understand why Selena did not wear some more tighter, clothing. like, like more clothing because my God, it's hot. It's hot. Right. It's hot. So, you know, my thing was just, I said, you know, I do everything with passion. I think they said I had, might've had liquor or something on stage. And I said, well, I've had liquor on stage for the past 20 years and Hadn't bothered anybody, but I guess it bothered one person, I guess, I said. But, uh, I mean, I just always have people bring us shots and, you know, they do that, right? So it's like, I don't know where it became a, an issue the other day, right? But I said, well, and I told him the same thing. I said, look, one thing I've learned in business and in life is you can't please everybody. Not everybody's going to, something's they're going to have something to say. And, you know, I've been doing this over 25 years for my true fans. I'm not going to let that Because he said, well, you know, if one more one or more person is say, saying that you're lacking, I said, well, I'm not going to let that bother me, man. I mean, were they even really a fan? I mean, did they just go to criticize or, you know? So for me, it was, I remember the Rocky Balboa movie where he says, where he tells Adrian, remember when I said, you know, it didn't bother me? Well, it did. The same for me, right? I'm like, you know, I try not to let it bother me, but it does, you know, it's like... Because it's just abuse. I, I, I don't think people realize just how 
you do it for the art of it, but social media is a double-edged sword. And I know this just as much as anyone else, just as much as you do probably, is mm -hmm. that as much as we want to be engaging with the fans, a veces en cuando se pasan, they don't understand that there are boundaries between the performer that you love and the person that has to do the performing. I'm really curious how you balanced coming back into the music scene after getting sick, because honestly, it's been hard for me. I've gone to the hospital for the last two, three times, had a, multiple surgeries over the last year, and it's been hard. And I'm curious what, because you had a stroke. Yeah, I had three strokes. Three? Yeah. I just thought it was one. Yeah. No, and thank God, you know, that I, I, I'm, I'm pretty okay still. My first stroke I had, I was in Toledo, Ohio, first song of the night. It's crazy. Me and my wife had gone to eat, you know, had a drink, and got, got the hotel, got dressed, ready for the show. I remember, you know, I'm playing Palomita Blanca, first song, full show, and then I see this flashlight cross my vision, right? I'm like, oh, what was that, right? Then I got super dizzy. Now you're talking... I'm just like, wow, what, what, you know, what? And what I thought, because I used ear monitors, was I got vertigo because I got vertigo once and okay. I had that problem with balance, right? Okay. Even the singing, right? And I don't know these things because I never got it. You're talking at that time I was eating well. I was going to the gym every day. Nothing, right? I was, what, 46, right? I won't say I wasn't going to age you. I wasn't going to say anything. Then I was a little younger. Anyways, that happens. I get off and I'm like, let me just get my, you know, must give me get myself together here. So you did the first set. You did the first half no. before break. No. No, I did one song. And I couldn't, I couldn't play anymore. Like I couldn't not stand up. Okay. Like, I was like, right. And and so after test there, they didn't find nothing. I still came home and I said, it's gotta be vertigo, right? Mm -hmm. But I couldn't get on the plane because I was nauseous all night, nauseous the next day. I said, man, I got to see my ear and throat doctor, right? When I get back, yeah, it's got to be that. And I went I went and saw him. I said, hey, this is going on. Okay, it sounds like you got vertigo, so let me give you some pills. You should be good in, in a few days. All right. Give me the pills. Still had the dizziness. I'm like, it's not going away, doc. I'm like, that's strange, you know. And Did you feel any pain, like, in your arm or, or, or nothing? Just just a big light nothing. and just dizziness and nausea. Right. Oh, right. my God. Nothing in the arm. I just felt... A light flash, like in my eyes, right? Like almost flash. I'm like, what? And then I got super dizzy, right? So, so finally I was able to get on a plane because they wouldn't let me get on a plane the way I was, right? So I finally, me and my wife get on a plane, came home. Then saw the doctor, that, that passed. And then I played a month later. So I still had this dizziness going on, right? And I'm playing. And I'm going, man, what is this thing, man? Right? I'm like, can't we get rid of it? You're talking, I'm playing. And I was like, you know, freaking out when I would play because I was gigging every week, right? So the end of, about a month later, the end of, I think it was July or something, yeah. I'm playing in New Mexico, last song of the night, and then I felt like something here in my arm, right? I felt something like, and then I felt this imbalance again, right? And I'm like, oh man, I got it again, whatever it is, my, this mm -hmm. damn vertigo. Ambulance came. Check me and say, well, everything's good, good. Your blood's good. Everything's good. Oh, my God. But you can go to the emergency room if you want. We can't make you. I said, nah, it's just vertigo. I'm going to go home. Get on the bus. <gasps> Michael. Seven, <laughs> you're seven, stressing seven, me out. Yeah. yeah, seven hours away. Got home. And, and I still had, like, numbness, right? 
So I, I told my wife, I'm going to say, I got this numbness. And, and my kids, they said, no, nah, you better go to the emergency rooms. Something's not right. So I go to the emergency room here in San Antonio. After they did a CT scan on my brain, they go, it looks like you got a stroke, sir. It looks like you had two. They go, two? I said, a stroke? What are you talking about? You're like, I mean, like I'm, there's so many pieces of information here. A stroke, two, what? <laughs> Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. And I'm going like, you know, how can that be? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not that older and, and I go to the gym and I eat right. And what the deal? Well, that's what we're going to keep you here. That's what I was supposed to do. Palomino Fest. Actually doing it this year. Finally. Barely. Oh my God. But I was supposed to do Palomino Fest and, and I couldn't go because I was in the hospital. So this is like so, three years later. So you're finally being yeah, able yeah. to go to Palomino Fest three years yeah, to finally after. to be able to schedule to, to, to go oh back to do it. God. Right. But they do the test and they said, well, it looks like what we found is you have an opening in your heart that should have closed when you were born. And for whatever reason, just for some people after birth, it doesn't shut. Right. So this is causing, let's say you got blood clots or something going through. It's causing those to go through and go to your brain. And that's why you're having these strokes. But we're going to monitor it and see what the deal. Right. But we're going to put you on, you know, blood thinners and everything. So I had to be on that. Then I'm playing in Austin six months later. So it, I took about six months, right? And I was like, man, I'm out of, the, out of the trouble, I guess. So were you not performing for six months? No, I was performing all the time, right? Oh, my God. But what I found out was that in my first one, I had got it in my balance, right? So when I got the second one, it hit my balance. So it was just triggering. What they call those are residuals. So they said, you've got these residuals, but after a month or so, they'll go away. Thank God all my residuals have gone away, right? I don't feel nothing anymore. But I was in Austin, right? This was my third one. I'm playing. Last song was in my head, all right? And I, go, and I feel this thing, and I go, I told my, my daughter, I don't know if my wife was there, but I told my daughter, look, I felt that thing again. I know what it is. He said, okay, let's go. So I went to the, luckily there was a hospital there, St. David or something, right by the club two blocks away <laughs> so i went there thank goodness yeah i couldn't make the second set because i mean i played the first set and she told the club guy well you know i don't think he's gonna make it because i was doing tests so he texted me and said well it looks like you had another stroke so my third stroke right i'm like by then i was pretty upset right emotionally i was upset like what the hell's going on right and so when the doctor came, another doctor came and he said, well, I saw your test from San Antonio and they recommended that you may have to do a PFO closure. So that's what we need to do. Or you're going to keep having strokes until you have one bad enough that you're not going to end up well, right? So sure enough, they had to do what's called a PFO closure. They, do, they put in like a mesh, like a little metal mesh here in your heart area. They did that and, you know, knock on wood, but Thank God ever since then, I've been good. You know, yeah, I still got to take my blood thinners and all that. My doctor still got me on that. But I go get checked every six months, you know, and I still try to eat well and, and, and exercise. But I think that, you know, I'm not 100% the way I was before then, right? So what's changed? It was tough to do gigs because I was a little traumatized to get on stage. Because every time I got on stage is when I got sick. I wouldn't get sick at home. I wouldn't get sick just on stage, right? I got sick in Toledo. I got sick in New Mexico. I got sick in Austin. 
So it took a while for me not to be afraid to be on stage because I was, I get on stage and I would feel like I'm going to. You'd have anxiety? Yeah, I just, so all that was going on, right? Because, and I understand that now, like when you get traumatized with something, it just comes back, right? So I get on stage and I was like, you know, I was just not balanced. I just felt like off. And thank God, you know, some months passed and finally all my residuals are gone and, and I've been good so far, you know, and, and I have to say you're definitely somebody to look up to in the industry because you we have to give kudos where it's due because you are the hardest working Tejano Norteño <laughs> artist in the industry. You are gigging. Uh, okay, okay. Country también. Perdón, 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 perdón. Alguien, no, alguien. <laughs> no, Norteño, Tejano, and country artist. You're performing every single weekend. There is very rarely a moment that I see you taking a break. Did you feel at the time that performing made it worse? At any point in time, did it ever come into your thoughts that maybe performing made it worse or that performing made it happen so you could see it? Because otherwise you maybe would have been home, maybe too far away from a hospital right. or something. I, I was just, why does this always happening on stage, right? I mean, why, why is it It's just happening when I'm playing on the weekend? Why doesn't it happen during the week when I'm sitting here? Like, So imagine when I did the surgery, it was like an in and out surgery thing. Well, two days later, I was going to perform in Corpus, and I did perform in Corpus after the surgery, right? Like I said, y'all, hardest working, <laughs> hardest working man in the industry. <laughs> Literally had surgery for his heart, not his toe, not like right. a little mole, not like some, not a hair follicle, well, not nah, his heart. In my defense, the doctor, because he said, I said, man, I got, I'm supposed to perform in two days. And then I'm going to perform in the Valley. I played in Bronzeville. Mm -hmm. And I said, can I perform or not? If not, my office got to call these these people to tell them I can't. He said, no, no, you'll be fine. I mean, you can go ahead and perform and do what you got to do. And I said, well, I play an accordion. And he's like, you go ahead. And I said, well, I guess he said. So <laughs> I did use like a bar stool in Corpus and in Bronzeville. But I did perform the same week that I did. And people were saying, you need to be at home resting. What are you doing? And, but I'm like, well, the, my defense, the doctor said I could do it. So that's <laughs> he why I'm said, here, but, anyone want to get yeah. mad? I, he said it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the doctor said, yeah, you'll be fine. It's just, you know, it's not a, a major thing. It just, they actually go in over here by the by the hip and they okay. go in and they, they place it with some kind of a device. After that, it took a little while to just kind of lose the, the, the trauma, feeling the anxiety on the stage, because I'm like, man, is this gonna happen again? Is it gonna happen again? I was like that, right? So I was just kind of always felt, and now I'm finally feel normal again, you know, on stage. You feel comfortable. Yeah, I'm comfortable and so. It's so interesting, because um, I literally was the same as you. I had gotten my gallbladder removed, so they had to do all this surgery. I couldn't walk. So unfortunately, they kind of just do a bunch of cuts in the middle of my body. Right, and then right. they're having me on a bunch of stuff and I can't walk. And so I had a gig scheduled at the time, literally that two weeks later. So two weeks later, I was supposed to perform at Paper Tiger in San Antonio after being going through all of this. And unfortunately, like the band didn't get their visa to come over. So I was opening right. for them. And so they kind of had to, to squash it. But I completely understand, like sometimes... I think what's really hard for fans to understand is that sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the stage is your therapy. The stage is the place where you can literally 
just let go of the fact that your body is weak, that your body betrayed you and, and you can just express yourself and be there with people. I can totally understand your sentiment. I can completely understand. I think it's wild, but I can completely understand. Because, you know, some of my family was like, well, are you sure you should? And I said, well, the doctor said I could, so I'm just going to. You know, there are people that were, they were like, well, you know, he must need the money. And, you know. Allah, so, puro hater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always trash talking and stuff. And I mean, but, my uh, God, what? how do you. I'm so curious because no <laughs> well, te dejes. Just, no te dejes también. Like, I've seen you at a gig where somebody was doing that in person. And yeah. you and you got that that stuff taken care of quick. Yeah, yeah. Especially in person, you know. My kids, you know, Mike Jr., Katrina, they work with me. And, and so they just said, they just say, don't read the comments, okay? Because don't read because you're going to go back. And, and I read, like I said, in, in the nation and the country, I read a lot of a lot of things that I'm going, what and what? And I'm like, nah, I'm not even going to go there. I mean, for just how hard you work, it always just surprises me. That there's just so much going on and, and just so much, so much vitriol for someone who, in, in my honest opinion, has done so much to push the industry forward and keep it out of this just cycle of the same people right. and the same people. You know that little emoji, the little wallet with the little wings just flying away? That's me right now. I'm the advertiser. This is an ad for me. Veronique, go listen to my album. I have two out right now, Crying and La Novela of Next Gen Latinx Records. All jokes aside, please go listen to the music on your favorite streaming platform or buy it online at veroniquemedrano.com. And I mean it. Go listen to it. Go listen to it at your mom's house. Because I mean, if you don't listen to her, at least listen to me. And that's been your paid ad. Now, in regards to the label... I know that you've had different artists, including, you know, your son. Right. And and you had a female artist, Magali de la Rosa, if I'm correct. Right. Now, Magali and, and Andres were, were artists on the label. And so how do you feel like your experience or your expertise allowed them to succeed compared to maybe somewhere else in, 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 your, in your opinion? Well, I think with them, it's just, you know, I was give, always give them my honest opinion, especially my son, you know, I'm. I'm always hard on him because, you know, I tell him, you know, it's like, you know, he'll start to say things and I'll say, you know, okay, but I'm going to tell you where that road's going to lead to. I've already been there. Your dad is already a, an established artist, you know, take my advice, you know, I'm not leading you the wrong way. And so that's what I try to do with the artists, kind of, you know, kind of show them the right, right way and, and you know, and, and, and be humble and, and, you know, do and work hard because people say, well, you know, how do you, I mean, I want to do this, I want to do, but, you know, it takes a lot of work. And with Mahali, like my son, we were always trying to find the right song, right? Because it's about the song, yeah. you know, and the talent. Don't get me wrong, you got to have both. But if you have the talent and you get the right song, it, that's all it takes because I'm proven of that, right? And many, probably many, artists are that are known now. Before Cusamayana, Cusquenera, Michael Salgado, you know, it's just, just a guy that played in the bars. Yeah. You get the right song and it can just turn your world around, you know? So it's like, that's what I'm looking for in the countryside, you know? I'm looking for the right song that's going to take me across. You know, I'm not listening to people that are saying, nah, you can't do it because 
when I did Cusa Madera, before I did that, people were telling me, you know, hey, get a real job. I mean, leave that music business, man. I ain't going to do nothing. But had I listened to them, I'd still be there listening to them. Yeah, and do you feel <laughs> like Andres, because Andres has been releasing music. Do you feel like right. there's a song coming up that, that may that might finally be that fit, that space that he needs. Cause he's been growing for quite some time, right. if I'm correct, for the last three, four years, right. you know, right. building and, and growing. And he's so young, he's younger than me. Yeah. He's younger than you. He's younger than all of yeah, us. Yeah. And so he has such a different perspective. Do you feel like there's finally a song that kind of matches that energy of that youth for this industry. And when I say this industry, for anyone that's curious, I'm under the assumption that he's being pushed as a Norteño artist. Yeah, because that's that's kind of the style, but we're really not trying to push him as any genre, right? Mm-hmm. We're just going to see where it works. But mm-hmm. the style of the songs is kind of, you know, more in... Right now, he's got a song entitled We'll Cut the Alien, you know, that's out. And it seems like people are liking it, you know. But, you know, we put out songs before, and I can say... It, he's been undecisive. Okay, I want to sing or I don't want to sing. Or, or you know what, I want to sing pop now, English. Or I want to do guitarras and, and do, you know, sereño. So, you know, I'm like, you're all over the place, son. I mean, we got to find an established, you know. One spot. Establish a style for you, you know. And then we, then you can test the waters. You know, it's like me, I did Cusa Maera and did the accordion. Then I tried, you know. Mariachi, otra vez a la cantina, you know, and then that worked. And but I was already, you know, established in. So I said, let's get grab a song. Right now, as a label for him, I'm releasing singles, right? Till we can land the right song, then you know we may work on an EP or work on an album. Because there's just no point in doing that right now. The way the industry has changed so much, you know, we're doing kind of what the country market does. We're cutting singles, you know, until. We get a song that grabs and we tie it to an AP or to an album. Now, I'm, I'm so intrigued. I don't know if you, I'm sure you know this rule that just recently went down with the Latin Grammys that they they made the Tejano and, and a lot of other categories now EP friendly. And that was this year. Prior to this year, you had right. to release a full album. And this was the first right. time that now we can say, OK, EP. Now, I I released an EP because of the pandemic. Do you feel like that that's kind of just the mentality now? Like you're not going to start seeing full albums anymore. You're going to see smaller, more focused projects that like, hey, we're going to pick the best five songs. These are the best ones right. that you sound on and then push that way. And is that smart? Well, it all depends because like I said, I just cut a record that has 17 songs. Right? But, but Michael, you're Michael. It, you're, you said somebody <laughs> will sit and listen to 17 <laughs> songs of Michael. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like if you're trying to establish yourself, you know, five, six songs may be the way to go in EP, see what works, because that's what I'm doing. With Andres, I'm not even doing that. I'm doing a single at a time, right? Mm-hmm. We cut Buscate Alguien, and next week we're going in to cut another song for him. Okay. And that'll come out later, right? And so we're just going to keep cutting material until hopefully something grabs on, right? Because nowadays it's just... Sky's the limit, right? You got the digital platforms, you know, that's where people are listening to music. You know, the CD's kind of, you know, it's kind of staying behind. And there's people that do want the CD, but fewer than more now, you know? You got all your music here. It's like me, I got my music and I got my playlist and I got, you know, everything that I want to hear, you know, on my phone. And that's what the young people are doing, you know? They're, They're doing that. And so, like, he's into that into that generation, you know, of the 20-year-olds. 
well, you know, that that's what they're going to do, eh? Pues Andres, pues he's got this new song. Let me, let me check it out or let me load it or let me stream it, you know? But with him, that's what I'm doing. I mean, everybody does their own thing. Now, Magali, if I'm correct, you released two full albums for Magali. Right. So these are night and day. So with, with Andres, right. obviously, you're describing a very new artist, an artist that's trying to find their voice, trying to find their sound and their space. Right. Now with Magali, was there a reason that you produced two full albums for that particular project when you decided to go that route? Well, I think that at the time, that was kind of the mentality, you know, to go with albums. And, and we were trying to help her as well pick the songs, you know. What I thought would fit for her vocal, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the type of guy that I'm like, oh, that song will fit Elida, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can recommend it, and they may be like, eh, well, you know, Michael's, you know, he's... That loco. <laughs> he's lost it, or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, when they're with La Mafia, I'll say, I've got a song that will fit you guys. And they're like, well, working on a project, and so, you know... So I don't really try to push material to people anymore because, you know, what's the motive? You know, why is he pushing stuff on us? I'm just so intrigued by that because you never hear that. You never hear an artist doing that. But but you have the experience. And I and I understand, you know, you're pushing songs with with other, you know, established artists like yourselves, you know, La Mafia, Elida. And 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 I can understand that sentiment, too, where they may be suspicious. But do you think that there's just a song that, you know, and you hear and you go, okay, that that should should go to this person. Yeah, Webo, you'll still go over there and tell them about it anyway. Like I said, I've mentioned a couple of times, like I've done that, I've even I've even had songs that would maybe fit Palominos, right? Mm-hmm. And and I might have even mentioned it. Like I said, I've mentioned it to some artists, but I don't know if they think the motive is, there's another motive here. Man, I wish, you know, if there's someone out there listening, somebody that can send me material that fits me, send it to me because I'm going to hear it and go, yeah, damn, that song does fit me. I'm going to record it. It's only going to benefit me, right? So it's like... Do you feel it's competitive? Do you feel like that's why a lot of these recommendations... Because I, I feel like it's such a such an odd mentality to have when you recommend something and it's just like, eh, like you might be doing something. But if it was competitive, it would be like, well, then I would keep the song and just sing it myself. <laughs> you know, I would give it to that guy. I mean, of course. He's my competition or that guy's my competition. But yeah. no, it's like... The only thing is, I think what they may say is, well, you know, well, it's it's in his publishing company. That's probably why he wants us to record it. Okay. You know, that may be the motive, but but no, listen to the song and tell me if it isn't, you know. So you're hearing it here first, everyone, all you chismosos. If he suggests a song, he just want, he thinks <laughs> it fits you, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, like Oscar, I think Oscar or Leonard, I mean, sorry, not Leonard, Mando. I think that Mando or, or, or Oscar listened to the song and said, yeah, man, it's like totally what we used to do. But I don't think that's what they were wanting to do now. It was kind of more like that time of, you know, tu y solo tu, and that, that, it was that kind of style of a song, right? And I was trying to remember the melody, so I could sing a little bit of it to get an idea, right? But, but I thought of that song for like Elida too, and, and the next one I think I was going to mention it too, and, and I might have even mentioned it too, and he might have forgotten already was Ben from Solido. Mm-hmm. I might have told him about the song, or maybe I haven't yet. But if I haven't, you know, don't be, don't be too hard on me, Ben. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember if I sent it to him or not. But but I've just thought of that. But I, so I just kind of don't do that anymore. I just kind of like, well, you know, I don't want them to feel something else is going on. So I'm yeah. just not kind of. It's like my son will say, well, why don't why don't you do a duet with? And my thing is. I even mentioned, and Buena Onda, no? This is not, 
I even mentioned to do, I did Quiero Quiero, right? Mm -hmm. Mafia song that they had a long time ago. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I told Oscar about, hey, man, how about doing a duet with this song with me? It's your song. I'm going to do it. But it'd be cool if you did the vocals, you know, with me. And they were working on a project, you know, and, and, and he probably couldn't do it at the time. But so I just don't mention the whole duet thing or not too much of that anymore. I just kind of do me and, and that's it. But I think that collaboration is so important for the industry as a whole. I mean, you're seeing it with with a lot more like right. banda norteño artists that like yeah. they, they collaborate a lot. Even country. And yes. There's an energia did something with Randy Rogers. No, no, no. Did you hear about the recent one? Norma was just pushing oh, yeah. it today um, with uh, Javier Molina. Molina. Yes. The I mean, yes. my God, why have yeah. we why have we not pushed that way? Because it's the right. it's a and synergy. It really is because the people who didn't know who Javier was before are going to know who he is now because La Energia right. Norteña has such a different audience. Right. Me and my son were talking about a project the other day that involved some artists. Mm -hmm. And we did hear back, for example, AJ Castillo. Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he said he would do it with me. He's already like on board, right? So there's some other artists that I've talked to that we're thinking about doing a few artists collaboration, mm -hmm. right? Artists that are today and I'm involved in it, you know, I mean, I'm from 25 years ago, but these artists like AJ is from more now, you know, and so he said he would be willing to do it. So I'm thinking about talking to some other guys that are out there, but it's a project where I'm going to work on too that's going to be kind of stuff that DJ Cali does, right? Oh, okay, okay, and yeah. My, my son was telling me about that. He was like, look he does that and all these artists do it and you know he's got all these people that collaborate why don't you do that right and dj khaled is so interesting because if we were to do something like that for the industry as a whole um norteño and tejano we would see such a bigger growth because established artists and and i say this as established artists or unestablished artists doing different styles of music, their name is still attached to the project. So DJ Khaled very rarely raps. Right. His name is on there, but really it's almost like a production on the production standpoint. Right. And he'll, of course, you know, for the Grammys, he'll sing a bar here and there, he'll rap a bar here yeah. and there to like, to like yeah. put it through whatever. But at the end of the day, right. it's, if there was something like that for our market where, you know, we have artists who genuinely want to collaborate because really the benefit is that you're getting a wider net of people to listen to you yeah. who would not have listened to you before. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's just going to, you know, because the fans are going to go, Oh, cool. Also it's, you know, Michael Salgado, oh, so it's AJ, so it's, you know, this guy. And I mean, Michael guy. Salgado and AJ, I'm already intrigued how that's going to sound. That's so, that's so, <laughs> yeah, right? that's two totally different worlds, but you guys yeah, are yeah. such great accordion players. So I'm just, I'm just already thinking creatively, like, where is that going to go? And I mean, it's beautiful to see that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, like I said, it's a, it's just something we've kind of got in mind, but I know my son had reached out to AJ and he said, yeah, man, I would do it. So we're going to see, you know, and later on, once we can get this thing confirmed, well, maybe we'll have something good for the fans out there soon. Your comment about suggesting music is honestly so nice because that means that you're listening to these people's catalogs. That means you're listening to right. the style of music that they're playing and you're saying, OK, this. And and I want to even challenge and say, you know, a lot of the times a song is a song. A song is a melody line. 
An artist yeah. can interpret it to their new style, but as long as you got the melody line and the lyrics are good, you can change it into anything. And so right. do you think that a lot of these bands, and, and I'm not saying the people that you suggested, I'm just saying overall, do you think that bands and artists can get stuck in their style that they can't see where they need to evolve to grow? It could happen. I mean, I think that we all kind of, you know, busy in what we're doing and sometimes we're, we kind of wind up stuck in that, in that place. So, you know, every now and then it's kind of like something that you have to kind of like step back, I guess, and go like, well, hey, that, that's kind of a cool idea and to maybe do that instead of this. And in my case, you know, we've got some other ideas that we're going to do in the future, some concept albums, you know, and things like that. Because that's just where the digital world is, is going to now, you know. It's just, it's about content and, you know, and putting things out that people, you know, like to hear. And, and just like from a country, I'm going to probably do something like a live performance video, right? But I want to do it in Nashville, probably, right? Ooh, nice. So it's just going to be something that we're going to hopefully be working on this year that can be recorded, you know, kind of like what uh, Post Malone did, you know, that country thing. And he did the Brad Paisley stuff. I don't know if you ever watched that video yes. that he did, but but he did something like that, right? So it was different for him, but me, I want to kind of do something to just kind of give a different setting for people on my country stuff, right? And I do the country like that, and it gives them more of a live view as opposed to the EP as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just about creating content, you know, and so that's what I recommend to a lot of artists out there, you know? Get involved in that and creating content and, and you know, staying connected with the fans, you know, and because and, uh, that's just what it's kind of about. For me, you know, it's taking some work because I, at one point I wasn't doing much on Facebook, you know, and, and I was like, But I will say this, <laughs> during the pandemic, my God, you brought in some quality stuff. <laughs> well, thanks. If you guys have not seen um, any of his videos, so during the pandemic, while yes, a lot of us were not working or not doing anything wild, right. um, you know, we were all kind of sequestered <laughs> in our spaces. Yeah. Um, Michael had got, Michael was one of the few artists to put out some really top of the notch, high quality videos that were kind of like the best way to say it were they were pandemic live sessions right. as live as you could get. And they were absolutely gorgeous. And they, he did them in all these different settings. I was trying to figure out where <laughs> the electricity plug was because my God, it was like right? he had it in a, in a little ranchito and then like there was like a bar. I think you had done it one, but it was kind of like the outside of it. There was just so many uh -huh. different spaces that you did that. And was that kind of a, a nice escape and a nice way to just kind of stay connected without having to, of course, put yourself at risk? For sure. I mean, for sure. It was definitely a just, you know, out of the same routine and stuck at home and, you know, walking around the block. And I mean, I was doing things that I normally had never done. Like? And uh, <laughs> the great thing is got to, you know, spend quality time with family. But yeah, we had a little get away and, and, and I think that because the world was in the same place I guess you could say you know all our fans well I think that was a time for them to be able to like hey let's get out a drink and let's watch this you know this live performance you know from Michael and, man we had a lot of love from the fans that, that really enjoyed it and they were like you know thanks for doing this for us and 
so you know, and and, and and we felt great doing it, you know, being able to, to get out of the same routine. So it was so I'm glad everybody enjoyed it, you know, in, in, in all that time that we were down. I'm curious if you would ever do something like that again, but a little bit more structured while you're on the road. Maybe some like live perform a live stream or a live performance, a bit more acoustic with different artists, seeing as you're saying that you're trying to uh do collaborations, but do video collaborations, not so much, hey, we're going into the studio and recording a track, maybe doing like a live track at the studio. Um, because I, from what I'm to understand, you have your own studio. Am I correct? No, I, I normally use a, a studio here in San Antonio. It's called Blue Cat Studio, right? Okay. So we normally record everything there. I've even done some of my, my vocal, like when I get the country tracks, you know, we I go to the studio, do the vocals there, and then I send them back to Nashville, and then they, you know, then they get them ready over there. But I do my actually, my vocal here, they send it out there. So, you know, that's a studio I've no, normally used here in town. We've used some different ones in town, but that's the one I'm using right now. I mean, I've thought about building my own studio at some point, right? Building my office, building my studio, everything where my bus can be, everything else. Your big bus that you wash. I cannot believe <laughs> you're washing that big old bus. My God. I'm pretty wore out by the time I'm done with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we normally record some material there. Like I said, we're going to go back there next week and do some a, a single for Andy. And I'm actually going to record a couple of new songs that we're just going to, you know, be putting out in the future. Right now, we've got a lot of recent material, but... But we're already starting to put stuff in the can and, and things that come, you know, to mind to do. So always, you know, staying current. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, my God, Michael. This has been such a wonderful journey with you <laughs> and, and just going through everything and going through a, a little piece of your life, accordion to you. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. Please tell people where they can hear your new records, your mm-hmm. Norteño record and your country record. It's all, all the platforms. It's available now, you know, digital platforms, your favorite platform. Just look for Max Salgado, Blame a Beer or Max Salgado, uh, Hijo de Rancho. And uh, those are available. Uh, it's been a pleasure I can't believe I would look at the time. I was like, yeah, at that time already, man. And I, I was supposed to be on here 30, 30 minutes. I but, tell you, man, but, uh, it, it's just, it's just, it, it just happens. You just, you feel it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so, and what social so media can they find you on? Yeah, they can go on my fan page under Michael Salgado. Uh, Instagram, I'm under official Michael Salgado. Uh, Snapchat, I'm under El Surdo Michael. And my website is michaelsalgado.com. Twitter, I'm under Mike Salgado underscore. Uh, let me see what else. Facebook, I think if I can add you or you can add me, I'm <laughs> yeah. under that. Mike Salgado as well. I'm even under LinkedIn. So, under Mike Salgado. So, so you I'm can find everywhere. him everywhere, including on LinkedIn. I can, you, yeah. I've seen you post stuff up on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I, 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 you guys, he's active on there. So thank you everywhere. so much. And Thank you all for joining us on another episode of Accordion to Me. Puro amor, puro besos. Puro tejano. Bye. Thank you for listening to Accordion to Me. The team behind this week's episode includes mixing and editing by Juan Pablo Diaz, theme music by Rodrigo Montalvo, produced by Javi G from MD Media. In-person recordings were done at the Potify Studios and remotely through Riverside FM. Accordion to Me is distributed through Anchor, 
and you can stream Accordion to Me wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host and executive producer, Veronique Medrano. Puro amor, puro besos, puro text mix.